Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Hacked History. If you noticed a jump in our audio quality, it's because we are back on the mics. So, you know, shout out to that. We haven't specified whether it's a jump up or down. We're not sure yet, but it's a jump, so we're going somewhere. Um, but uh, this is going to be part two of our episodes on... What are we talking about, Jake? Bay of Pigs. That is correct. We're talking the about the Bay of the Pigs, Bay. which is, of course, again, the invasion of pigs that happened uh, off the coast of Cuba in the uh, never 60s. Never forget. So never forget all the pigs that lost their lives that day. and uh, <laughs> Never forget. That's the reason we have bacon today. That's true. <laughs> where were you when they built the ladder to have? <laughs> where, where were you when Wilbur went to Cuba? Right, anyway. Actually, no, um, he was parachuted into Cuba like weeks in advance. <laughs> All right, he but, is Castro. Yes, indeed. Anyway, but we are back. Um, so if you can't, if you're uh, looking for places to find us, uh, you can find us on Facebook at Hacked History. You can find us on Instagram at Hacked underscore History. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can check us out at HackedHistory101 at gmail.com. And we will be sure to get back to those emails. Jake is just raring to yell at people via email. So please Rare. go ahead and get back to us. Um, and uh, we do appreciate all your ratings on iTunes and Google Podcasts. And uh, anyway, you can do uh, definitely drop a rating. It definitely helps us out. Um, even if you don't love us, it's good feedback. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Don't tell us to die, though, because I can't promise that. Yeah, please don't do that. But uh, uh, on the other side of things, we do appreciate the feedback. Uh, and just please be respectful. But other than that, we definitely appreciate it. So, uh, Jake, where did we leave off? I believe we left off on uh, the zoo trip of one Fidel Castro. We actually went past the zoo trip of one Fidel Castro, but we're going to start into what I call the real banger of the episode, the, the balls, if you The will. balls of the episode. As huh? I realized, I turned away from the mic as I'm looking at you. You're I'm doing so... great at microphone <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> because I'm so used to doing this on the phone because Lucas was lazy and didn't want to set up the cords. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, what what I call this one is Bay of Pigs Part 2, Cuba's electric slide towards communism. The electric slide. It's the electric slide. It's not the cha-cha slide. Actually, no, it's called the Franklin slide, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so, anyway, um, basically, we're going to start with kind of going into the situation post-revolution, like around the time that Castro gets back to Cuba, and that really slippery slope of when Castro starts embracing the communist idealism, because he doesn't start off that way. Um, if you were watching or listening, if you're watching it, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. If you're listening to the previous episode of Bay of Pigs, we talked about how Castro came in and wanted to make friends. He wanted to be nice. And the Americans, as we'll find out, just, they fucked a lot of stuff up. Um, so here we go. It's free real estate. Free real estate. That's right. That's American businesses in Cuba right there. Free parking? Free, Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. It's a monopoly now. Yeah. <laughs> Which one of us is the motherfucker in the top hat with his empty pockets? Sorry, I can't pay you. Yeah, yeah, no. So we talked about Cuba in that previous episode. We did find that a lot of the American businesses in Cuba following the revolution, still very powerful. They're still there. They didn't go anywhere. And it was super like, hey, new guys in charge. Um, How can we keep the whores and liquor practically with sort of their mentality? Um, They were starting, though, to worry that because Castro, after coming back from New York, after literally jumping the gate and petting a tiger, um, he... He was the original Tiger King. He was, exactly. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, it, um, <clears throat> it's super unsettling, by the way. Just a, just a behind-the-scenes that we usually do this without the headphones on, so I hear, like, this just silence from Lucas, which probably tells me he's on his phone right now. 
I'm not on my phone right now. I can verify that. Lies. Hands free. <laughs> no. Hands free. <laughs> Check out my porn website. Um, anyway. So, yeah. No. They were still powerful, but kind of getting a little worried because that new type of government that was coming around, you know, starting to look a little bit like socialism. And if you know anything about economics, uh, socialism and hardcore capitalism do not mix together well. So, Jake, you want to expand <clears throat> further on that just for our audience who might not have a ton of uh, okay. background on that? So, the idea, at least from what I know of it, is that the businesses in Cuba, these American corporations were there. Pretty much their idea of capitalism was sort of a corporate capitalism where it was the government didn't touch them and they had a hell of a lot of power and they employed a lot of people, which made them politically important. Too. Right. And if you want to talk and you connect that to some of the comments you've been making about the tourism, it'd be very important for them to be yes. their own independent entities then at that point because yes. they would need that to kind of roll with the setup they were going with. There. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing with Cuba at this point was they couldn't really do without the massive American corporations because that was their main moneymaker. But the fact was it was definitely pissing a lot of people off that they had to deal with a bunch of, like, drunken Americans who would come in and get sloshed and, you know, you know, right, so fuck the- someone's dog or something i don't know so that's the sort of the capitalist setup then but then how does socialism start contradicting some of those setups it starts contradicting it specifically because the idea at least within cuba as we'll find out is that it's about a nationalization of private enterprise so what i mean by that is if you own a massive factory the state then owns that factory the state then operates that factory and they make all the rules therefore the individual owners no longer operate it well that's more communism that's what it will become but the idea with socialism for them is it's pretty much intertwined. That's something so, I should point out is that when in this case when they're talking socialism, especially in the 1950s, as is pretty sure the same today, they see socialism and communism as the same thing. So then, I mean, obviously, then you're going to start to see some of the contradiction that you mentioned in the beginning. Uh, yeah. Basically, with uh, those all those businesses used to kind of running their own shit. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the government basically coming in trying to write, regulate them and control them. Is that kind of where we're going here? That's the idea. In a nutshell, um, like I said, Just clearly, trying to... you, could, you could honestly say that it was more an oligarchy versus sort of a socialism turned communism. But honestly, that we would just be splitting hairs. Um, but that's that's the uh, political climate going in, in here. If right? not yeah. accurate. What's that? I said we're not anything if not totally accurate. That's not what the message board said. No, Shout out to the fact that I couldn't find a fucking city on a map. Yeah, that was... I didn't print it out because I am a jackass, but it's okay. It was... What was it? Southeast and it was... Lucas, where's Chula Vista? California. Good. Good. Yep. All right, let's keep going. Good. All right, hey, I'm testing you. That will be the first of many. Anyway. <laughs> so, like yeah, uh, geography questions yeah. throughout the episode. If, and so the thing here that I kind of make very important is if, and this is the big one right now, that like right after Castro's return to Cuba, if he turns out to be a communist, a series of these massive capitalist corporations on Cuban soil are going to be seeing a problem because the idea is it's not only nationalism and socialism, which is in of itself kind of sounds like fascism in this case, but it's not national socialism. Uh, which is basically so are we talking, the Nazis. But, just, just to clarify, are we yeah. talking about a problem uh, with profit margin that they're used to seeing? Or are we talking about a problem with just the ability for them to function as businesses? Uh, specifically, what a, type of problem are we talking about? Issue of them abil- or, sorry, it's an issue for their ability to function as a business on Cuban soil. Because in Latin America, you have a country, we talked about this in the previous episode, that Cuba basically had been Spanish territory, and then Spanish-American War happens... And then Cuba's kind of its own independent nation, but then when we talk about, like, the um, 
different amendments that came in around the early 1900s, you start to see that the Americans kind of stuck their dick in the Chinese finger trap, basically saying, like, "Uh, yeah, you can be independent, but we also reserve the right to uh, own, like, 90% of all public utilities, and we also reserve the right to uh, fuck around with your politics whenever we want. So So the worry here is that you you these big corporations, you're kind of worried about getting kicked out of the country just altogether and not being able to make that kind of money from... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that was what their big fear was, was this idea that if they become communist, because like I said, a lot of people, and we should explain this, is that when we talk about the sort of slippery slope that um, happens in Cuba, it's not because they became socialist, it's because everybody else around them saw socialism as sort of becoming the mantra, in, like just in words as well as in actions, and all of the Western countries who were paranoid started flipping their fucking shit. Well, trying and, to like counter cut it off and stuff and yeah right. and this goes right back to the first episode that i did when we start talking about some of the ideas of the red scare and things like oh, that, yeah, that obviously, one episode when you did one thing so obviously this is a little bit after the red scare was most popular but uh, yeah. there was still that heavy that heavy nationalized fear in america and other oh, yeah. places uh, of just the word and the idea of capitalism or communism excuse me yeah. to the point where you know people even on site without even really knowing a whole lot about the businesses would just be scared of it so then when you add in you know americans or people you know in those businesses being scared of just losing their businesses you know they could also be scared ideologically of just the idea of communism right, yeah. the idea uh, of like you well and not to cut you off but the idea especially if you think of like a corporate mindset is that it's one person basically sort of running things, but then really just kind of sending a lot of the orders down to the lower people. Well, the idea delegation. is that those lower people should not have any real say in the government, or not the government, in the way that the, the corporation should work. So, I mean, this was basically just a huge fundamental shift for a lot of corporate business owners. On top of which, you know, we talk about the idea that in the first episode, you start to see, like, the Soviet Union getting really fucking aggressive. Pre, this is pre-still Cuban Missile Crisis, and then after that, they kind of toned it down. At this point, a lot of Americans are seeing, like, a place so close to America, like Cuba, turning socialist. They're like, well, socialism's just as close as communism. And then communism, they're going to be there, and the Russians will be at our fucking doorstep. And that's kind of how it would turn, literally. It would just become this, like, violent, like, kind of paranoia for some people. Some, not so much. But for some, it was like, literally, everything was just on the brink of collapsing for whatever fucking reason cool sounds good all right so <laughs> i love the silence the silence was good because you were like either trying to figure out what the hell was going on or you just don't care i was waiting for the next uh the next pitch oh, so well, to speak shit. but you know you make me look like an idiot <laughs> way to go so we so we at this point you know we've got the setup of uh, the basically the economic hostility yeah. um so wh- where's that leading us here jake well it's kind of a weird thing. So economically, we won't get right to it immediately, but there's a series of events that happen in the order that I have them placed in. That <laughs> won't, obviously, because they happen in chronological order, you good, fucking jackass. Good, good job. Yeah. No, don't you patronize me there. You follow the dates. Captain, I gotta edit tomorrow. No, the, the fact is that, yeah, I, and I should make this very well known right now to the listener and to Lucas, because he doesn't know jack shit about this, Um, is the fact that... <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounded I'm mean. Just listening here. Yeah, I know. Was was the fact that Castro came back from America? He still didn't have a concrete idea of what ideology his government was going to be yet. Shout out to the police car over there. Um, so to him, he comes back and he sees America, and he was kind of charmed by it uh, in that New York visit because there were so many people that were so like jacked to see him 
you know, and he was very sincere, at least I think on the surface. But deep down, you have elements of his movement in Cuba who are like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? This is, you know, we're not working with the Americans because they've been screwing us over since the 1800s. So he's kind of trying to figure out what ideology his country wants to be. Because naturally, and this is kind of how it sort of comes to a head later in this episode, is that either he has to decide between the idea of anti-imperialism, which is very strong against Americans, specifically because they've been you know, screwing around in their country, or you have to rely on the tourism dollars and try to be friendly. So, it, you know, it's kind of a weird sort of thing going on. But regardless, we start specifically with this um, slip and slide of communism um, by what we would say is the testimony of a guy referred to as Pedro Luis Diaz Lanz. Pedro. Diaz Lanz, huh? Luis. Diaz Lance. So, what's going on with Pedro? Uh, Pedro is an interesting character. He is put before, and the where I'm setting the scene here for this one is July of 1959 in the Senate Subcommittee Chamber. So, a biography about Pedro specifically, this is very short, but it's important to know why he's kind of important here, is that Pedro, I call him just Pedro Diaz Lance because Luis is kind of, you know, null and void. He was overall unremarkable in the grand scheme of the Bay of Pigs story, but the fact is that he was the first person to escape from Cuba to America to kind of get the ball rolling, saying that communism was starting to take hold in the country. So, the, so let me get yeah. this straight. So he is the first he is, sort of person yeah. to let uh, America know that hey, yeah. communism is kind of taking root in Cuba is what he, you're saying. He's, yeah, either, uh, really, I mean, to say he is the first person, maybe a bit of an over-exaggeration. So what you're saying is he's sort of the Paul Revere of Yes, he is the, the two of by land and one of by sea of uh, communist whistleblowers. He's the Paul Revere of the Pay of Bigs. He's the Paul Revere and the Raiders of the Bay of Pigs. He's the Paul Revere and the Raiders of the Bay of Pigs. Wow, that's... That's a band that Lucas doesn't know. Anyway... Cherokee people. Um, so yeah, the fact There's is There's one for all the boomers out there. Thanks. Jake's, Jake's got your back. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you rile me in with those people. The same as I'll rile you in with like the Gen Z millennial crowd. Of listen, like, we love all yeah, of our we listeners. Know you like your avocado toast. Get the fuck off my fucking crow. We so, love all of our listeners, that's all I'm saying. Oh, sure. Now you say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, though he was the first person that was a, a pretty sizable you know you know i'm trying to figure out the words here i'm sorry he's a person of he's the first person of a fairly sizable position in castro's government to come and talk about it because oftentimes you'd have a lot of maybe you would have a few people who would trickle in first like you know soldiers who'd been part of castro's group who saw you know elements of communism wherever they may have been but no one's going to really pay attention to that like first off because just like well, like, if Jose comes in off, you know, a boat out of the Gulf of Mexico and says, hey, by the way, there's some communism in Cuba. Yeah, I mean, the government's not going to jump to fucking arms and say, holy shit. <laughs> they're, they're, they're talking about stuff that's like red and the stars. And yeah, you know, they wouldn't do that. But he was pretty much a kind of a fighter. At first, he was very much a big fan of Castro. Lance joined the rebels in 1957 while he was in Santiago, Cuba. For those of you who don't know where that is, because <laughs> Lucas 
decided to you didn't know rail me one on this. <laughs> Santiago, which is Santiago de Cuba, is in the southern sort of tip. Okay, now, Jake, now, what Just is the, the exact tip. latitude and longitudinal coordinates? Well, let me see here. Um, <laughs> Fuck, it doesn't show. Oh, 20 degrees. I imagine west and uh, 76 degrees south. Um, <laughs> Or no, no, it's 76 degrees west and 20 degrees south. Sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you don't see you trying anything over there. I can Google things Says, too. <laughs> yeah, you do Google things, but unfortunately, your bad eyesight makes it difficult for you to read the text. Anyway, I'm gonna so let that Santiago one sink Cuba. in right now. <laughs> no, before we no. end this podcast forever. <laughs> before Lucas comes around like a like George at the end of Mice and Men and puts a bullet in the back of my head. Um, yeah, no, he was working originally as a commercial airlines pilot in 1957. For Aerovias Q line, which is basically sort of a, a Latin America to America. Is it like Spirit Airlines? Yes. <laughs> In some ways, <laughs> it is. And then I wouldn't trust any of the airplanes because I don't think that company's still in business. Um, the following year, though, around well, 1958. Hold on, though. Do you know why they called Spirit Airlines Spirit Airlines? Um, because you may die. Because it's advised to say a prayer every time you take a flight. Smooth. Way to go with the dad joke. I like it. You're welcome. Anyway, so uh, around 1958, which is the next year, Diaz, he gets, you know, mixed in with Castro's band because they had basically left Cuba after that uh, army barracks fuck up and uh, were looking for some people that they could use to kind of get the ball rolling again. And so he'd been doing a little bit of legwork. He was gaining trust and he was showing some usefulness to the, the band. Um... And basically sort of became the acting head of the Revolutionary Air Force. Which, uh, for that group, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> the Revolutionary Air Force. I would imagine it was like a biplane that only worked like 15% of the time. And it, if you've ever watched the episode of MASH, I'm going at you with another boomer. Thank you, Ben. That's our friend, Ben. Anyway. <laughs> All right, we're back, and uh, the good news is Ben is okay. We did verify, so good to keep going on here. We're kind of holy shit. Anyway, that was so where did we leave off here. Uh, we were talking about how you mistake uh, Richard Nixon's wife for Nancy Reagan. Ah, uh, yes. You're you are a, maybe you are a supreme idiot. <laughs> That's okay. So am I. Well, you were the one doing the podcast with me, so just think about that. That's forever in your uh, resume. I'm now. mostly doing this because you've threatened to sue me. That's right, and I will. Oh, yeah. Anyway, okay, so we're back at it. Uh, talking about Revolutionary Air Force, yada, yada, yada. Okay, here we go. So uh, the main job for lands at that point was basically to smuggle arms and ammunition via Costa Rica and Florida back to Cuba when they were back into fighting Batista. Um, the fulfillment, the revolution succeeded. January 1st of 1959, Lance was promoted to the head of the officially organized Revolutionary Air Force and acting personal pilot for Castro, which is a pretty sweet fucking personal gig. Personal pilot for Castro. Which basically means that if he sees like a like a cigar store down on like 5th and 18th over in Havana, you literally have to land on the road. <laughs> down, boy! <laughs> Just, I see them, go! I must get scar. Why is he Russian? I don't know. I Why must not? break you. <laughs> I, I imagine so. most Americans at the time probably didn't know the difference, so. Uh, yeah, we're pretty stupid people, to be honest. Um... 
So yeah, uh, within months of that promotion, Lance began starting to notice communism was rolling a little bit stronger, and he started voicing opinion, which, you know, he's totally entitled to do, to the increasing communist influence in the new government. As a response... I'll tell you what, the only person that's not entitled to an opinion is uh, right here, Jacob Hodge. You know what I'm entitled to? Sleeping with your mom. Oh my! You're willing to say you that know what? Uh, yes. Thank you. Made to the back's like, what the fuck is that? Uh, you know what? No, that's false. That's a false statement. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you, <laughs> Jake? <laughs> Do you? Would you like this podcast, Dan? I mean, I would be indifferent to it either way. <laughs> oh, shut the fuck up! <laughs> but we're famous. <laughs> some people know our names, and that's good enough for me. And some people are gunning for us. That's okay. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, uh, response to that, uh, you think, eh, Castro, yeah, you, you have your opinion. No, nope, he relieved him of his post damn near immediately. <laughs> and Lance decides to fuck off to Florida with his family by boat. Here's the fun fact that I found out. Here's the fun fact Oh, the Jake. funnest fact. So according to the report of Lance's escape that was, you know, filed by police department who picked him up on some fucking beach somewhere he took his second wife and three of his six kids the other three go fuck themselves i guess i don't know or well that actually sounds bad he probably wanted to take all six of them but who knows but also allegedly the one frank sturgis who's frank sturgis you fucking serious i'm i'm 100 oh this is a Walt. this is our watergate episode recap frank sturgis was one of the guys that got caught Fucking entering into the Watergate oh, building. No. Oh, yeah. Frankie boy's back again. Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that Frank Sturgis... It's reported. I'm not saying it's a given, but it's been reported to have escaped on the same boat as the first defector from uh, Cuba when communism started? Escaped is not the word I would use. Because Frank was an operative for the CIA in Latin America. Oh. So he probably was like their handler to send them over. That was the idea. Because they were basically defectors, so it may kind of make sense. Sure. So anyway, this brings us to his testimony. He was seated before the U.S. Senate Internal Security Subcommittee. Love that fucking name. Internal uh, Security. Uh, okay. We just call it Homeland Security now. Um, but that, that was, was after July. 9-11. Yeah, pretty much. When mm-hmm. everybody who was of a dusky color in America apparently was a suspect of something. Some people still think that, Karen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Karen. We're gunning for you. We know what's up. <laughs> We're coming. I mean, Lucas is coming, but that's an entirely different situation. Anyway, um, yeah, he was seated before that subcommittee on the 14th of July of 1959, and Lance describes the state of affairs currently as they're occurring in Cuba. So, this is kind of how it goes. First things first, when he was asked whether there was any level of communist infiltration within that government, Lance informed the subcommittee that there had indeed been just that. Yeah, he said that there were communists that were acting in the government. Additionally, he would continue to say that there had been changes in the ways that officials greeted one another. Using Instead, uh, when they walked up to each other, it's true that this is true. They had to not perform the Harlem Shake. <laughs> There's t- <laughs> is this 2012? Yeah. Yes, Ben, it is. It's always 2012 in this house. All the fucking references are like. No, early the references are great. Do they had to do the Harlem Shake? Do the Harlem Shake. No, no, no. Anyway, no, they were using words like comrade. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) So, naturally, naturally communism, yeah. No, the word God had also, according to him, been stricken from the Cuban Constitution. See, the United States did the opposite thing during the Cold War. They added God to the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. We added God to the fucking Pledge of Allegiance to sell flags. Because we are just that cool. (laughs) 
Because nothing screams it quite like white God. Nothing screams liberty like making people believe in God. And intertwining that with the state. Which yep. is literally why we had this country was not to have church and state the same thing. Anyway, um, uh, the beginnings of these changes came almost immediately, according to him, after Castro returned to the U.S. Or from the U.S., sorry. So around May 17th, Castro decided to greenlight a large-scale agrarian reform project on top. And this is kind of all And this is true. Me. I heard the agrarian reform is uh, was actually FarmersOnly.com. It was literally FarmersOnly.com, yep. where you could fuck your cousin. That sounds awesome in the uh, That was amazing. It's from the back. It sounds I'll like the child what. that Lucas keeps in his fucking closet. I don't have that. This is false. But let's not get all the QAnon people canceling us, Jake. Because we don't I have any like children. I feel like I don't care. FBI's gonna break into it. FBI's gonna smash the window directly in front of me. Right after FarmersOnly.com sues us for the three cents that they're oh. worth. Oh, I was gonna say Farmers Only, where you can literally fuck your cousin or a farm animal in the same date. And you know what? they That's what they advise, actually. Yeah, I know. They're like sheep. Sheep and horses are going to. <laughs> I bet they how do. Did we, how did we get to beast anyway, so How did Lance, we get there on this podcast? So, anyway. So, uh, additionally, to around that May 17th, he uh, greenlit that agrarian reform project. There really was nothing all that weird about it. Uh, most landholders would only be able to retain ownership of a maximum of less than 1,000 acres of hop. And most of the land ownership by foreign nationals would be curtailed because, naturally, if... You are any country of sovereignty. You don't want a fucking foreign nation owning sections of your land without some level of like, hey, we're okay with this. All right, I follow. Yeah, policy experts in Washington had no problem with that. They said a level of reform was probably a requirement if democracy was ever going to work down there. Because in most cases, as you would assume, most semi-democratic movements happen is mostly based on land reform. Like, that is one of the big things. Or at least semi-democratic socialists. Uh, but regardless of that level of agreement, too, a good percentage of Americans were cutting... or Sorry, were clinging to the idea that this... And this includes a lot of people in that Senate subcommittee, that Cuba was moving inexorably towards socialism. So that development naturally concerned a large number... Okay, so I f- just, to, just to clear up, I feel like we're using the word socialism and communism almost inter- yeah. inter- interchangeably here. Yeah, I think we did on that. Uh, so... We should just say communism, I think. Yeah, I, okay. I think All we right. should do that just from my mind, just to yeah, make yeah, sure yeah, that yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. as confusing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, you're right. Because yeah. I was getting a little confused myself, so just... Oh, good. To... Thank God. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, inexorably towards communism. So, yeah, if I see socialism, I'll just use communism in this case. That, that's fair. Sorry. In my mind, I just kind of... Re- as I wrote it, oh Jesus, as I read it, that's kind of as I wrote as it. As I wrote it, I just... I read it and I wrote it. I wrote it. Sharon! Sharon! Yes, Aussie! Janet! Marty! How are you, people? I started down. Go write some downs. All right, okay. thanks, Ben. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Aussie. We really appreciate you stopping hey, by the show. Hey, hey, hey. Ozzy Osbourne, um, on yeah, the studio. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, one thing, Ozzy, before you leave, can you clean up all the dead birds that you uh, have spilt all over the studio uh, floor? No. Thanks for coming, Ozzy. There's no birds there. No. See, and, you know, he, I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he's a great guest. Um, if you can get to book him on your show, if he, you can get him to stay away for more than eat, twenty minutes, he's amazing. He will eat eight live bats on your television show, guaranteed. Whether you ask him to or not, he just that that's a that's an Aussie guarantee. Anyway, anyway. so yeah, so uh, naturally that development concerned the large American corporate types because they owned huge sections of Cuban land, and especially concerned where a lot of the sugar mill and cattle ranch uh, owners. 
some of whom owned and operated properties totaling approximately half a million acres of pop. That's a lot of that's a lot of uh, cattle and sugar. Yeah. So the fact is this: why that matters in particular that agrarian reform is that you have a lot of Americans who the big corporate types voice their you know concerns to the government because the government is the one thing that does something in America, kind of. And, and so I, I naturally, just, they kind of took to it quick. up as saying like, "Holy shit." It's happening. And Jake, I just wanted to get a quick pause, too. Yeah. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on in the first episode is just the um, history before Cuba really even became a country. I just wanted to make a just a quick jot, jolt there and just kind of note that uh, Cuba had been exploited for its natural resources for hundreds of years, literally ever since Europeans started coming to the North American area. Yeah, because so, wasn't it Hispaniola at one point in time? Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, so you, you have um, the history of exploitation, so um, eventually, yeah. you know, at some point, this is kind of their their thing, their thing to say, like, hey, you know, Americans, we, the we, Spanish, the French, that, right, all yeah. these other places have been shitting on us for years, like, look, get the fuck out, like, this Pretty is much, our yeah. Time. It would basically be like if you were, uh, well, let's say, like an Airbnb owner, and you had a bunch of dudes, all of which wore the same Blackhawks hockey cap, or whatever. Or a Patrick fucking... Kane jersey. Yeah, pretty much. That's that group of people, and that's what Americans are, unfortunately. But the fact being said, a lot of those, what would be considered the top one percent, rely. Well, I own a cattle ranch. I can't lose my thirty million acres of land, or something like that. And though the government's like, oh fuck, we gotta get on sovereignty that. Sovereignty be damned. Sovereignty be damned. Exactly. Uh, originally, of course, when this issue came up, Castro was actually one of the people who qualmed Americans' fears by promising that there would be compensation via a sort of long-term bond system. So, so my you, question is to yeah. here, Jake. Uh, just to, I'm Thank sorry. Thank you for cutting me off. I, I'm just, uh, I'm getting some clarifying questions in just to make sure that we were all able to kind of follow this. Good. So, um, what year are we talking about, and who is the U.S. president at this point? Uh, U.S. president at this point is still Dwight D. Eisenhower. It is 1959. Okay, perfect. Okay, so, so we're we still are talking still, late this 50s. Is pre Kennedy. Late 50s, point. pre Kennedy, yep. and we're just uh, just getting into the yep. beginnings of the hostilities. Yeah, at that point in time, it's really starting to kind of roll into its own. Um, okay. But yeah, that there was a long term bond system. The idea was if a corporate group would give Cuba back that land. Cuba would basically sort of give them the bond as an exchange so they wouldn't be at a loss for what was inevitably going to be a lot of fucking money for a lot of fucking stuff. Yes. But yeah, I mean, that, that it kind of made sense at first. Uh, that was sort of the preset um, at that point. So Lands, they kind of asked him about that agrarian reform, and then they kind of asked Lands, and they said, like, hey, by the way, is he still going to do that? And Lands goes and basically says, uh, no. He's not going to. In fact, he confirmed the fact that Castro had intended basically to take that property without providing any compensation, which is not good. Not not great. It's uh it's what we call no bueno. Really. So uh you know what you have essentially there is the uh I would say the first real mistake from Castro. Not that he hasn't made mistakes before in this relationship, but this oh, is Oh he the, will. He will fucking yeah, make some but mistakes. I'm saying this is kind of the first instance of him kind of fucking himself. Yeah. Because he, he, yeah. he you know I'm not saying what any of the U.S. did was right, but, uh, you know, when you're dealing with a big country like that in the middle of uh, some very tense times, you would have thought he would have been like, you know, maybe we should actually just pay them the money so they can get the hell out of here. The, the, my big question in reading that especially was, like, did they actually have the money to pay them? Yeah, they may have just said, oh, fuck question. it, we're, just go, just go, just go, just go. This is all going to lead up into, and I'm not sure if it will dovetail with this, but uh, we'll do some episodes on the Cuban Missile Crisis as oh, well. Yeah. So we're going to get Absolutely. to that. Uh, this is so 
Beta Pigs is kind of your appetizer for the larger fuckery that'll become the Cuban Missile oh, Crisis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You bet your sweet ass it will. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, naturally, this spooked the subcommittee because they got that from Lance, and Lance is like, oh, yeah, never, he never intended to pay anybody back because they just assumed maybe this was like a fuck-up or something. But, no, they were like, eh, no, he didn't want to do that at all. Uh, but most Americans at the time were fearful of the color red, naturally. Um, and so Lance's knowledge of changes... Also, to military equipment, really freak the fuck out of the subcommittee, too. This is the big one. This is the big one that I think kind of started... And keep in mind, these are, like, all these guys All these guys are, like, half-pilled in the fact that if anyone's communist, it's going to mean that the, no one of their country can ever exist in the world. And Pretty half much. of them are, like, 60-year-old men trying to, like, stay awake. 60-year-old white men, by yeah, the way. Trying to, like, stay awake in this, like, All of whom have probably slapped their wives at least once. Or supported segregation at some point in time. Looking we're at talking you, about people that were born in, Thurman, like, Thurman, no, 18, Trump Thurman. 1890 or, like, 1900. These fuckers are real old school. But these people are, yeah, these people are, like, the old class of, like, 1920s, like, politician. This is probably still some people from the fucking Roosevelt. Man. Jesus. So fucking, ah! <laughs> it's hot in this room. Uh, from the Roosevelt administration Teddy back in 1945. Because <laughs> honestly, he could, could have even... <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, that whole thing too about military insignias on vehicles really scared the shit out of him. Uh, so, <laughs> J.G., and this is a real name, J.G. Sauerwein, the counsel for the Senate no, subcommittee. No, no, Sauer no, 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 hold on. We're, we're going to take a second with that because that man's name, it literally sounds like it should be like a candy. Like, hey, do you want a Sauerwein? That sounds like a bad guy in like a fucking comic strip for kids where it's like, hey, it's J.G. It Sauerwein like a, and he's going to close the theme park. It, no, it, what it sounds like is it, like he's like the evil like newspaper editor that like. I give writes, me pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah, he writes like <laughs> shit bashing all the heroes and he's just like very fucking ignorant and an asshole yeah fucking jg Sourwine out there fucking writing all these articles trying to close out our theme park and (laughs) you took that one real deep fucking you won't close my six flags bitch trying to cancel all of our superheroes that motherfucker i love that this man did none of those things but now everyone's going to remember him for that Yeah, he tried to cancel fucking Batman. <laughs> Sir, no. can you right. sit out? So he's the Senate Council, which is a close third to all of that. Yeah, pretty much. Or, yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's the subcommittee council. Please, <laughs> fucking listen next time. Anyway, yeah, no, he was the subcommittee council. He asked Lands whether or not any major changes had been made to the insignias on Cuban military vehicles, uh, because there had been some talk of that. And Lance informed him that the Red Star had become commonplace, and Lance confirmed that this was a symbol that was intentionally communist in nature. And that's when all of the men in the sub- subcommittee instantly shit their pants. This, <laughs> this is true. Either shat or because there were some hawks in the room, they probably came themselves. Yes. <laughs> half of them, half of them shat themselves. Half of them came. Yeah, we'll we'll let you. We'll leave it up to imagination which ones are which. I love you the notion, sad. by the way, in my mind, there's a mental image as I'm writing this of them, like, did they change the military insignias on the vehicles? Uh, yes. Oh, oh, it's just a lot of, like, rabble, rabble from the back of the room. Uh, they put, uh, a red star on the side of, uh, of the vehicles. Oh my god! <laughs> just like, everyone's a, every one of the motherfuckers is afraid of shapes, apparently. Listen, listen, son, are, are you telling me? Well, I'm just a listen, Texas listen, senator. Now, listen, let me ask you a down-home chicken uh, pick a question there. <laughs> listen, my, my name is uh, Francis Graham. I'm Lindsey Graham's 
I'm Lindsey Graham's dad. And, uh, Hi there. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm David Cruz. Me? I'm also Ted Cruz's daddy, and <laughs> I'm going to kill the president one day. <laughs> Are you telling me that they're putting red stars on the conning vehicles? <laughs> I, I, yes. Son, that, that's not good news. <laughs> Son, that's what I want you to do is I want you to go out and find a Lincoln. I want you to drive that Lincoln all, all right, the way. So, to, I want you um, to drive a Lincoln to the Bay of Pigs. All right, Matthew McConaughey, I want to drive back to the topic here. Uh, no. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's got ADHD. And, uh, all right, all right, all right. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Uh, that was pretty much sort of all that they got out of that. Lance left that day from the subcommittee hearing. And there was a notice nah, noticeable suspense in Washington because all of what they heard was really kind of sketchy. And this is true. Lance later became a famous cyclist who now has one testicle. No, actually. His <laughs> his end is bad. I'm, oh, no. Oh, it's bad. But we'll see him a little bit later. Um, So, yeah. There was anxiety already and developments in Cuba a little bit after, some days after, actually just went to deepen that shit. So, uh, first thing was that there was a shakeup at the Cuban government personnel. Uh, that was the first thing to alert anybody. Because naturally, when you have a huge regime change like that, that usually isn't a good sign. Um, unless we're doing it. In which case, America being the best country. Greatest country ever. Um, but the fact is that, you know, when we see a, a regime change, we tend to get a little off in action a little bit. Unless we caused it. Yeah, absolutely. Unless <laughs> and we that's the it. American way. <laughs> that's the American way. We need to blow the shit out of stuff. That's the American way. Buy Ford. And then, and then you buy oh. Lincoln. Yeah. Or you buy Ford in that case, because it's going to be like a Ford Super Duty F-350 uh, small penis compensation uh, package. Oh, uh, anyway. Call uh, that the, uh, the SPC? Yes. The SPC. <laughs> and we're going to get sued from the SPCA for that. All right, nice. Um, hey, you're the one who fully, you fully linked it, now you asshole. <laughs> no, you know. I speak the truth to power. And that's the final truth. I'm taking truth. you down. And that's the final truth. <laughs> I'm taking you down right here, right now. <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, that huge shift change really kind of freaked him out. Uh, a little bit after the figurehead president, Manuel Urita. Urita? He comes before national television. Uh, he originally, Urita's intended goal for that televised uh, talk was supposed to attack Lanz's testimony. And then he just ended up fucking up the only job he had to do. Confirming in, instead, basically <laughs> citing that there was a danger of irreparable harm that might be done should the communists take control. Jesus. Castro responded by kicking his ass out, <laughs> filling the position with a known communist sympathizer, Oswaldo Dor. I honestly thought it was Oswaldo Doritos, but it's Oswaldo <laughs> Doritos. Doritos. Because it looks like Doritos. Oswaldo Doritos. Oswaldo, Oswaldo Doritos. <laughs> God bless us, Valdo Doritos. He actually went on to, in a sort of Forrest Gump twist, meet Tom Hanks, and the two of them invented Doritos. He's like, uh, this is a funny triangle chair. You know, Tom Hanks doesn't sound like that in real life, right? No, but Forrest Gump, no! Oh, he's not Randy Newman every day of the week. He's not. He looks at Randy. Take a look at Wendy. I feel so bad that I think we're literally making fun of a deaf man, so I'm not going to do Listen, this anymore. he's a, he's a good <laughs> Lucas, artist. He's he just, knew what he did. No, 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 no. Randy Newman's a great artist. He's just not my thing. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, what is your thing? I don't know. Cool. I'm still searching for what my thing is. <laughs> it's really fucking I still abstract. don't know what it is that I'm looking for. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Shout out. No I, I quoted you two, and you just went straight to the dumpster. All right, anyway. <clears throat> what is that? 
Anyway. Are you done now? Yeah, I'm good. I fucking hope so. Alright. Uh, yeah. Good feelings decided to fuck off around that time. Uh, <laughs> in those two countries. Because the Americans are like, what the fuck are you doing? That's not, don't, no, 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 no. See, we start to notice this is that uh, they still try to fuck around. <laughs> Even though they said that Cuba was independent. They're like, yeah, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make me come over there. Hey, guys, guys, I'd really appreciate it if you just, uh, if you just didn't. We're doing things our own way. What, what hey, is the problem? Hey, hey, hey. You know, hey, communism? Hey, go fuck yourself. Communism is no bueno, okay? Like, can you just not? Pendejo. Anyway. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, those uh, good feelings fucked off. Uh, Diplomatic Corps of the State Department is like, okay, we got to do some sort of damage control here. And they send Ambassador Philip Bonsal. Bonsal? <laughs> it's spelled B-O-N-S-A-L. Bonsal, uh, maybe? Are these real fucking names? Like, Yeah, this is a real man. This is a real guy. Actually, Bonsal, I think it's Bonsal, to be honest. Um, He was a pretty accomplished uh, ambassador for the State Department. So the fact that they really were serious about this was like, eh... Yeah, we don't want this to happen, All so right, maybe relax. It's time for us to send in the bonds. <laughs> the bonds. Yeah, no. Uh, and the idea was that he went to or to Havana, and the idea was he's trying to smooth Havana, things over with Castro. Havana. Cool. <laughs> part of me wants to embrace that, but part of me is like every meme I've ever seen has basically worked it to death at this point. So, <laughs> so yeah. We move on to what I call the things going south. Oh, the... South things. Fucking, you are so bad at that. <laughs> Two cares. Yeah. <laughs> See, but <laughs> just one comment though. Blink One Eighty Two was there. I love the fact that when he says things, it really sounds like he's saying things. All the small things. See, that was the natural reaction of every white guy in the '90s to kind of or early 2000s be like, "What if I just became Rasta midway through? <laughs> Would that work?" And then the Rasta community is like, "No." That's not okay. You can't do that. What the fuck? No. What the fuck are you can, doing? Can we just talk about how the fact that you were just talking about how white people shouldn't in, 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 I'm trying Rasta to embrace the character. I'm an actor, goddammit. To say, it's kind of hilarious. You're like, it is. No one should imitate Rasta. You just do a Rasta. No, smoke. I find these drums, too. All right, shut the fuck up. Let's keep going. I have massive respect for them. I'm just I saying, do, too, but that's why we are. should stop. You know what? Yeah, of course you do. Anyway. Jake, unlike some people, I know when to stop. That's not what Jeffrey Epstein said in his trial to you. What what, what do you know? Shut what do you know? Up. What is what is Kristen Gillibrand? No, no, that's not it. Gillibrand? Is it Max? Is it Max? Maxine. It doesn't fucking matter. Anyway, um, they're both monsters. Uh, yeah. Giseline Maxwell. That's who. You're talking uh, about. that's nothing's worse than a person with the first name Giseline when it comes She's to pretty a awful. child sex ring. That's not. I good. think the whole thing is awful. Really, just the entirety of that is awful. I love that you tried to show me up in the awful stage of things you thought were terrible. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. It's got, everything's going to be a fucking competition with you. Anyway. <clears throat> so, he was operating out of an office in the six-story U.S. Embassy. Uh, about central Havana there. Wait, there's six stories to the U.S. Embassy in Havana? Oh, you bet your fucking ass there is. I don't Why? Know. <laughs> I mean, the U.S. Embassy probably was in that six-story building. I don't know if all six stories is U.S. Embassy, but who fucking knows, Wait, man? so... Experienced listeners will have caught this before because this is not the first time I've given you shit for <laughs> telling me the amount of stories that were in a building. I just love how you <laughs> continuously do it. I have so many needless facts to tell you. Trust me, man, that's good. <laughs> no, I just, I love it. It's just like, you're just fucking randomly. I'll tell you what, that was six stories of American freedom right there. Listen, uh, I was walking. Never up. forget. <laughs> I just, 
uh, listeners, <laughs> listeners who don't know you would probably imagine you just like you tell your stories. Be like, all right, so I was walking up to my two-story apartment building, right? And uh, I do, I do. I'm very, I'm very in, like intent to talk about the height of the building in which I live in. <laughs> I can only imagine that was like you. Stories. Was that like you in ships? But like you'd be like, all right. So this thing was like about a thousand twenty feet tall. Pretty much. No, it wouldn't have been a thousand twenty feet tall. Come on. No, I'm just saying. Too tall, it would have rolled over. What the fuck's your problem? (laughs) Jesus Christ! You're almost like you act like you don't know ships. I don't. Well, maybe you should learn. Some Uh, friend you are. Anyway. All right, Captain Jake. Let's keep going. I want to own a boat at one point in time. That's of a fairly decent size, and call myself Captain Jake. It. It's gonna happen, and I won't invite <laughs> I, you. When I, I imagine have the sexy you being, party on it. Here's the thing: I imagine you being like a captain after you retire, being some like booze cruise captain, just no, like fly, God, no. fly the fucking boat down the river. And it's like, all right, everybody, say hi to Captain Jake. Thank you for destroying. Hi, my dream. Captain Jake. No, no, my intention is to like be one of those like kind of like quiet but semi like gruff guys who like owns a y- like not a yacht but like a like a charter boat and he's like uh, it'd be like Quinn <laughs> from jaws all grow sideburns or some shit like that so you want to go into the ocean huh? <laughs> Hell, there ain't nothing good about the shark there grand haze you see that water it's just mumbling to myself there's no shit there's no sharks in lake michigan and then they bite you. <laughs> Blew out the audio level. I just, I just imagine you'd be like the South Park guy. It's like, you see that water? You don't want to go down that water. You don't want to go down that road. No, that's going to be me when I'm like working a gas station at my later age. I'll be like wearing an old hat and yeah, like a, like a like, trench coat. Not even a trench coat. Like an old hat and some fucking overall denim suspenders. Sure. Like, you can't go down that road. You can't Why go can't down I go down that road? Well, the bridges are on that road. Wow, so that... They're doing some construction on that road. <laughs> you can't go down on that road. They got a massive pothole down on that You road. gotta go down to McGee Road. You wanna go down to McGee, and uh, then you're gonna have to go back. All right, towards, we, we, uh, we have completely derailed. Uh, um, no, I gotta finish a bit now. Uh, <laughs> go down to McGee, and uh, you're gonna go down on uh, on uh, Willow Boulevard, and I'll right, bring it back to Shut Anderson, up, don't. shut up. <laughs> no, no, now you've started. Now I gotta finish it. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll always start it out of me mentioning six stories, and you just went like, what the fuck's your problem with stories on buildings? See, you do mention a lot, though. I do, and you know what? I'm not going to change. Anyway, I already have. So, all uh, right, all right, all right. God damn it. All right. So, yeah, uh, they had, for the most part, a, I'd say, good relationship with Saul was basically trying to go in and understand for the most part what was going on in Cuba for himself. So his idea was, you know, if I go in, I can kind of talk to Castro and say, you know, American concerns. Uh, Can we kind of see what to do about that? At the same time, the idea was that Bonsall was basically... trying to play peace broker. Pretty much. Bonsall was basically going to say, like, hey, by the way, um, all of you people in America, can you chill the fuck out for at least a second and a half right now? Because everything's fine. <laughs> uh, that was the idea. Uh, so the idea was that he was trying to remind his colleagues that even though there were active communists, clearly the government was sizably and still fervently anti-communist that was balancing that. So there was no need for them to fucking pull the switch and set everything on fire. Not yet, at least. No, not yet, no. So, for the early iteration of Bunsel's work with the Cubans, he did remain pretty hopeful that things would work out. And for as sure as he was, 
Bonsall cabled the State Department on August twenty or August second of nineteen fifty nine to basically state that he believed, quote, in many respects, this is it is the most hopeful regime Cuba has ever had. Oh, hopeful! What a fucking stupid thing for you what to a think change about. Change of pace. Yeah, change of pace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah. You like that? Oh. You like that Key and Peele skit from the background? He's doing a Bill Hader from SNL doing oh, that nice. guy from Dateline. Now we can get now we can get rammed up the ass for that. Um, I just want to keep mentioning names so at some point we will get sued because that's the goal. I love too that we had an off-air talk about how long this would take and we're still getting really fucking sidetracked. Um, we are down. And Lucas loves to blame me for that even though he's the one who starts most of it. It's Jake's fault. Yeah, it is my fault. It's my fault that you're so goddamn famous. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, communications between uh, Bonsall and Castro continued through that summer of 1959. There appeared to be a reconciliation, so things were actually getting better. Uh, and there were conversations between Bonsall and Cuba's foreign minister, Raul Roa, in Roa? September. That's a fucking badass name. Uh, What's the name? Roa. Roa. I like At least it. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Roa, 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 you Roa. <laughs> All right, so that was in September. And it was kind of hinting at a further cooperation that Castro was really excited for because he was trying to still kind of get some American tourism dollars into the country, even though things were, with American tourism, not the best. So that kind of sets the stage for what we kind of call <laughs> the the shit hits the fan moment. So the, this is the moment. The pre knew. <laughs> this he is fucked the, up. Yeah, basically. <laughs> This is what I call, that's literally what I called it in my notes was opening the gates, forward arrow, tourism, and douchebaggery. This is when we open the gates of head. <laughs> you you sounded an awful lot like Zach Baggins telling me about ghosts right there. I never believed in ghosts, and I never believed in Stalin until I became face-to-face face face with, with him. <laughs> now, now, me and a team of Soviet experts. <laughs> just like six old ladies and like head shawls. Drinking got, vodka straight from this, like this, all this of them, glass bottle that they found somewhere. All of them named Svetlana. All of them named Svetlana. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So that brings us to sort of the American Society of Travel Agents, or ASTA, which is... Oh, fucking dope. The American Society of Travel Agents. I know. It's not, it's not the most exciting, but it is basically like all of the American what, travel you're agents... You're not excited about travel deals? Are you? <laughs> I know you own you a condo go, in the fucking Rockies, but you, you could, could just go stop Havana rubbing it in my pa- face. You could go to Havana after the pandemic for just $7 each week. No. <laughs> they don't want you there. But, uh, yeah, that happened. How, how many how many dollars do you think she's going to want? Like five or six? <laughs> Probably a little bit more than that. She's just going to come like, wait, who is that that does that song again? That's uh, Camila Cabello. Well, you're a one-hit wonder. No wonder she's going to want money. She's, not, she's in Fifth Harmony. She had a lot of hits with Fifth Harmony. Well, a solo, though. Yeah, she's kind of a solo one-hit wonder. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so that convention around October of 1959 is sort of this, like, everybody came to sort of... Everybody came. Everybody was coming and continued to come. <laughs> the travel agents, they did a lot of traveling. <laughs> they travel like Larry Bird in the playoffs. <laughs> Fade away! 
Oh, and if any of you are our basketball reference, yeah, that just, no. nobody is gonna. Uh, actually, people will get. What do you mean nobody? Nobody's people, gonna reference no, Larry Bird. You reference Bullshit. Larry Bird like people now talk about LeBron James. <laughs> hey man, you white people need a hero, and that is your hero, Larry Bird. And Jack Nicholas you know and what, you know uh, Jake, I live in a world Tom Brady. Where I can embrace people of different cultures. You know what? No, LeBron James is my basketball hero. So how does that feel to be a racist piece of shit? I'm not being a racist. I'm just projecting it no, onto your. You're people. telling me that I have to that I have to be cool with a white basketball player. And you know what? No, I'm I'm batting that away. <laughs> I never said you didn't have to be cool with a basketball player of a different color. By the way, you're just throwing that in my mouth. <laughs> I did I not specifically say that. I just said that you guys needed a hero, and Larry Bird was your hero. Well, it wasn't my hero. Anyway. <laughs> we get it, strong man. Calm down. All right. And if any of you in the listening audience like to know where Ben is right now, he's currently taking a six-hour shit, so we may or may not hear from him again. But in his absence, we may just play some sound bites of him. <laughs> just from our from our soundboard <laughs> from our archive from our archive soundboard that we've recorded of him just in case he goes missing for tax purposes um <laughs> for tax purposes so yeah uh around october 1959 we did start to see like a big move to try to secure some sort of you know touristy secure back shift. alert That's basically for. and they were setting the stage of this first major tourism convention in castro's country which was kind of a big deal considering that like this would open the door for a lot of new developments of hotels, beaches. People wanted to make money. Yeah. And they didn't necessarily care where they made the money. Well, again, if if people are like, well, this seems kind of contradictory to the fact that, like, the Cubans are kicking the Americans out, and yet they want more American dollars, you kind of have to choose between the lesser of two evils in this situation, where you either have to be like, are we going to be poor against, like, a world power, especially in its richest time period? Or are we going to try to favor a little bit and, you know, there's well, you, some You take a decisions. look and you think to yourself, how much hypocrisy am I okay with? How and much are you, are you are you willing to buy a Lincoln? That's the question. <laughs> right there. Are you willing to buy a Lincoln? I want to buy a Lincoln real good. Whose kids are these? Anyway. <laughs> Matthew's just picked up a car and drove. They're just happy to go on a drive. It's okay. Matthew's oh, not going to hurt anybody. Oh, Matthew's know, not hurting anybody. My, he just took my two children there, hey, but, you know, I was just like, oh, it's Matt. They'll, he'll bring him back. Oh, well, I love I love that you went Wisconsinite for, like, the, the central, uh, like, L.A. area of, like, what the what the fuck was that? What the fuck did you just do? That was, I was all Wisconsinite. <laughs> all right, cool. Anyway. um, <laughs> Oh, Matt will bring him back. He's a... He's a real trooper, that man. Oh, yeah, Matt's a real trooper. You know what? He, he just he goes to church on Sundays, and that's okay for me. And when he brings my kids back, I tell you, I'm going to send them home with a nice uh, a nice big pot of chili. <laughs> He's going to send in a crock pot, some sort of casserole that everybody brings to the Super Bowl parties. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, it's mostly just melted cheese. <laughs> anyway. so um, That's the best part, though. Yeah. So anyway. there was this idea of a genuine hope that the convention would be able to bring some common ground between the Cuban and American investors because there was, you know, naturally some pissy, like, hey, by the way, you own, like, two-thirds of our country, and we kind of don't like that, but also, <laughs> hey, you bring way, us a lot of money, and we kind of need that. Hey, by the way, could you just not own all of our shit? Hey, by the way, can you just like quit money? fucking me? Yeah. It is kind of it just a, it is kind of like wanting to have your cake and eat it too. It is, isn't like, it? And I don't mean to like shit on their dreams. Like I get why you'd want the Americans out, but you kind of had to like draw a hard line and say like fuck off or just 
admit that you're just going to be stuck with it, you know. But well, I think uh, it was like if you made nice with them, maybe you could gently start to remove the elements that they were looking for. Yeah, but you still can't do that and still want the money because the money is not going to be there. Maybe. I know, man. I, it's all very hypocritical. Everything about this is going to become very, very like, why the fuck did they do this at all? Well, and I think that uh, just as a complex kind of point, just so far... It seems like there's a lot of hypocrisy on both sides. It's not oh, even just on one side. You have no fucking idea yet. It is about to get wild. <laughs> oh fuck! Then there, right. when we start talking about the CIA and like where they get their, uh, their, <laughs> their, <laughs> their like ideas. Oh man, I I'm gonna let you take a guess as to where you think, but I will tell you when. Well, where I, do you think I, the CIA would get those ideas from? Uh, which idea specifically? Well, like, though? trying to, like, get Ca- Castro out when they start doing um, that. So, like, spoiler alert. My guess is, like, maybe from, like, the Soviet Union, because it sounds ridiculous. And Oh, okay. We'll keep that on record, and then I'll have to remember that for next All time. Right, sounds good. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for okay. next episode. It's it's, for the next episode. For the next episode, which we will not take a month to post. Because I'm Dog. just amazing at my job. Guys. Martha Stewart. So good. I'm so What's good, good at my job. Anyway. So, are you good? Are you fucking projecting over there? Uh, are you microaggressioning on me right now? No, I'm microaggressioning on myself. It's internal. Fucking better internal, be. Anyway, so, um, so the start of the convention came with around 2,000 travel agents in Havana. That's a lot of fucking people, by the way. Like, considering... What up, travel agents? It's just... I just assume... I'm your host. My name is Marcus. I just assume <laughs> it's like the Phi Kappa house showing up in Panama. Panama! No, no. Leaving the airport with, like, just the... Like, they're all in tank tops, and they've all got backwards baseball no, caps. No, but I was, like, doing, like, the, you know, the welcome meeting where it's like, oh, My yeah, name is yeah, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, welcome yeah, yeah, yeah. to Cuba, everybody. Welcome to Cuba! <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna... It's just, like, one of those really weird, like, Hawaiian... Big vacation sort of tours where they're like welcome to hawaii aloha and it's like you are from ohio you don't need to right now can i get somebody who's actually from here to say hi my name is chad i'm chad (laughs) (laughs) yo bro my name's chad check out these guns gonna fuck your wife later we're gonna take you down the steps to this authentic hawaiian luau authentic hawaiian luau (laughs) Where, like, the real Hawaiians Don't are like, what happens if it rains? You're going to get wet. <laughs> That's literally you, you how it rolls. That, you stole that from Gabriel Iglesias. I did. I did because that is probably how they are. It's <laughs> uh, a fairly accurate representation I, I of most that, native people. I, I believe it, yeah. yeah I was going to say, I, I know a lot of Native Americans where people be like, let's go to the reservation and learn. And they're like, what happens if it rains while we're out on your people learning about your culture? Uh, then you get wet. <laughs> it's literally and how Jake it is. And, and I'm not even shitting because, on you. you know, yeah, I'm not even joking with you. Like that's literally how they are. <laughs> I, I don't know, Nida. That's what they do. Anyway, um, so yeah, 2000 in Havana. Good start. Castro was just. Uh, this is literally what what happened. Was was quoted in the book that I was using for research from Rassenberger on page 32. <laughs> just if you wanted to know, so you can fucking quit questioning my research. Um, I'm still gonna question it. I I know you do, but you also don't do much. Outside of like post on Facebook, so you can See, you know he's, he's, fuck yourself in the ass sideways. How about that? Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I'm just gonna let that one sit. <laughs> I want you to. I really do. I want you to sit on it. I wanted. I want you to sit on. It. Anyway, um, so quote Castro would show them the wonders of Cuba, and they in turn would generate dollars for the Cuban economy. So again, kind of what you pointed out. You're like having your cake and eating it too. <laughs> yeah. It, it would almost kind of, like, emphasize what we've been talking about, that he may not have been a full-throated communist at this point. 
Like, he was daddling around with what to do because he wasn't quite sure, which is pretty realistic when you think about yeah. it. And then he's just like, oh, you Americans are fucking bad news. But anyway. Yeah, it doesn't really help that we try to kill him a bunch. It didn't. And then what happens later in this episode will really, really just, it's a fucking just mess. Um, so oh, We don't get to the killings to the next episode, I'm assuming. Oh, no, no, no. We don't get to the killings, sense. but people are already going to die. Like, that sounds really morbid, but that is the truth. Um, so around October 19th, this was the starting point of the actual convention proper and Castro spoke to the audience of foreign investors, about like lofty goals he had for American tourism in the area and the, uh, ambassador of Bunzel or Bonsal or Bonsal. I don't fucking know. God, he's just really doing batting a thousand on that. Name. I'm batting a thousand on that last name. Cause I really don't know. It sounds like Bunsel or Bonsal. Sounded out. No, <laughs> I know it's hard. Like I it know, depends. I know, I know. it's a Wisco- Wisconsin. It's a Washington DC kind of name. Uh, I'm going to call it Bonsal because I just fuck you. Anyway. Um, he recorded Castro's mood is quote sunny. Uh-huh. Which is not a Wonderful. mood that I've ever heard describe him in the in any point in time. But it's hey, it's always sunny in Havana. It's always sunny in Havana, literally, because it's very tropical. Uh, yeah, there were, however, some people in the group who already sensed that there was an unease with this situation because of a couple of late breaking developments here, um, and this literally would kind of propel him into being really pissed off later on. Uh, yeah. So first one was that it came to Castro's attention around the same time the con that the convention was starting, that he learned that as a little earlier in 1959, Cuba had approached the British with uh, an offer to buy some of their jet fighters. So for their air force, you know, happens a lot, you know, minor countries. And actually what's, what's kind of funny is that most third world countries will do that uh, where they will look for some level of like, can we purchase some of your old shit? from you well yeah you know it's like what a lot of latin american countries they ended up getting gifted like russian military equipment you'll see it well because if you like you know when you're these like massive countries like russia or the u.s even today with these fucking massive military budgets you just replace all your shit like constantly oh, so yeah. you just have a fuck ton of surplus and what are you gonna do with that surplus you know well that's what i'm thinking like uh, do you really think about how much money you uselessly spend on like missiles like a couple million every time you gotta make a new one or like keep up on it's just, just fucking mind-boggling to me yeah but, it's uh, pretty yeah. crazy so this is a fucking baffling move that comes i really to the life of me don't know why this happened that they decided to do this but the state department in its infinite fucking wisdom decided to interfere in that sale by talking to the British and told them, hey, can you not? Can you not do that? <laughs> can, can you guys just not? Uh, can you, maybe can not. that be an N.O. for you? Can you not do that? <laughs> and it was like, uh, the, the British were just like, sure. <laughs> they just told them to stop selling it to them. And it, there was really like, I tried to find out why, if there was an explanation as to why. And they just, there was nothing. <laughs> I don't know if they were like <laughs> trying to be an asshole about it, which is entirely possible. But they just like pissed them off for no reason at all. Like, I, I just don't know. Um, they were just like, yeah, no. Yeah, no, basically, that's what they did. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing sticking your dick in that? I don't know. <laughs> um, so the British complied. Castro didn't find out about this until the press reported it. <laughs> the story was leaked by a State Department official. So basically, it was like being, it was like breaking up, but hearing about it by like text message. Like, that's the same concept. Sounds just fucking fantastic. I bet it is. <laughs> just about as fantastic as how much of a shit you give right now. <laughs> well, I'll have you know that uh, 
I give lots of shit to Jake because I told you what I was going to be doing. Not when my back is turned. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so this is probably the first instance of an actual U.S. intervention, by the way, before like it really gets to a situation here. But uh, there should be kind of a side note here that I will point out is that even though it should be mentioned that because even with what the State Department was doing at this time, as well as like a lot of elements of the U.S. government, incidences like this eventually forced a lot of moderate Cubans in Cuba to embrace communism. And it did provide a lot of leftist factions in Cuba with a justification for that resentment we've been talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, all of these fucking things really are going to just start providing lots of reasons to hate America. So, like, this was, like, if you really wanted to blame anybody at this, it's the fucking State Department. (laughs) Which was not the group I would have thought would be the one behind this, but fuck me, I guess. Um, Yeah, it really pushed that resentment, and even in Castro's head, even though he wasn't fully convinced... About communism at this at this point, it's slowly pushing him that direction. This isn't like they all snapped and went, oh, communism's the way to go. Like, this is a slow, step-by-step process. Well, and just as a more general point, um, just on, like, the way that kind of Americans, I sometimes feel, view, like, the shifts to communism, because of the, of the era and the way that, like, communism was portrayed for so many americans as growing up they, the godless was, well, evil hang on hand yeah but it was but it was kind of like portrayed as like this snap thing like oh these countries are just going to automatically become communist there's nothing we can do about it and that was the scary part but what you soon realize when you start studying some of these things is that like in the american government's like everlasting fucking goal to like keep these people from somehow becoming communists we've managed to somehow push them further and further towards becoming fucking solidifyingly <laughs> communists and it just it's this fucking trend that like the more and more you learn about it the more and more that you learn how much we fuck this up just on our own fucking volition and it's fucking awful would you say it's the more and more you know the more you know <laughs> now lavar burton's going to sue us lavar look lavar lavar you know yeah Although maybe he'll be happy we mentioned his name i don't know i don't know lavar you do you anyway much love lavar yeah anyway. much love so yeah that was uh <laughs> that's actually a really good point to make we have single handedly fucked ourselves well i mean by getting it, way too over dramatic and getting like all helicopter parenty with third world countries and if you really and it hasn't stopped. If you expand <laughs> it, like, if you look at, like, our fights against terrorism, right? Oh, we yeah. have just single-handedly pushed countries into the hands of accepting like, no, militant no terrorist that, governments. Yeah, I was going to say, like, no shit would you end up bombing civilians for no fucking reason indiscriminately. They're like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. And yet, <laughs> no. and yet we're, our whole thing has always been, you know, you know we're so solidly against this, and this is what this is about. But it never fucking works. It's just such bullshit. It's bullshit because you know what? Lee Greenwood and Bill O'Reilly are all about this. And I'm just going to spend this series getting progressively more upset about how fucking stupid all of it is. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. You haven't yet begun to be pissed. It it gets really weird. So, yeah. There is some of this combined pressure. Both Che Guevara and his brother Raul Castro, who's both of them are like ardent communists from the start. And this interest coming from the USSR already that we're starting to see, it definitely pushes Castro away from the U.S. Because he's just like, okay, well, the U.S. are being a bunch of cock knobs and uh, hobnobbers, hobnobbers, if you will. <laughs> and uh, that's the Latin term. And yeah. uh, and uh, the Russians seem pretty fucking chill. 
So, uh, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Russians and Jay Chill in the week. Jay Chill, man. Yeah, mad chilled, my dog. Mad My guy. My guy. My guy. <laughs> it's a Nastis McCoy and shows up like, my guy. <laughs> my guy. Rock and hey, roll. My guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that that happened. So, the State Department's being a bunch of cocks. And then uh, the second thing that happened, this is underreported in the West, obviously, but the second development was a lot more transformative. Uh, because naturally you already got a lot of Cubans that are already pissed in America. So that whole thing with the jets was really no big change. It was just more. Yes. Elton. Thank you. (laughs) I love that. Those are the few songs that, you know, and then you're like, let's just rerun the CD of greatest hits over again. (laughs) I know more songs than that. I fucking hope you you do. You know, I'm a music nerd, bro. I got like over 50 playlists that I've made on Spotify. And they're not like ten songs. If you want to go visit those playlists, you can find them on Patreon. You know, I'll tell you what though, I actually do have a public Spotify account. You so. should do it. You like Marcus does for the Less Podcast group. You're saying I should make playlists for all of our episode groupings? No, no, no. I'm saying more like he used to do oh. music stuff for his like No Dogs in Space series. Yeah. I don't know if he still does that. Oh, so. he does actually okay. do that, yeah. Right. No, that's uh, some phenomenal work, so if you want to go check that out. Also, if you'd like to see something similar with uh, something I've did, you, we have strayed into that with the jazz history series that Yeah, the, the short-lived jazz for. history series. But I could have done multiple, but I Jelly just Roll didn't Morton, do you remember go. that? See, that was a phenomenal detail, and if was you it? don't know, please go listen to the episode. It's pretty phenomenal. solid. If you want to hear more from stuff uh, stuff like that, then reach out, and I will actually do the work. Uh, and maybe we can get a Patreon going or something like that for some of that content. So if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in some of the stuff like that, you know, shout us out. Send us an email. We can start looking at doing some stuff. Well, now that Lucas is done trying to shill out to the audience, let's get back to the real story. Let's get um, back to it, Jake. Let's get back yeah, to the let's USSR. Get back to so, yeah. Um, oh, you fucker. You didn't even, you're not even just going <laughs> to. No, because you said it wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to give you that unless you quote it right. I'm sorry. Okay, keep going. I'm not going to fucking do that. That'd be a disservice to Paul McCartney. Anyway, um, uh, there was, on that same month uh, of October, we had a 46-year-old Russian under the name of Alexander Alexeyev arrive in Cuba, reportedly. Wait, 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 wait. This guy's name is Alexander Alexeyev? He's he's literally fucking Alex Alex? Yes. (laughs) I don't know if that's his real name. I can't imagine it is. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so... That sounds like it's like, my name is Greg, not a spy. (laughs) It's like if somebody has two first names, like uh, Tom Johnson. Or like Ricky Bobby. You're Ricky Bobby. <laughs> if you don't chew Big Red, fuck you. Shake and bake. Everybody's shaking and Shake and bake. And bake. Right. <laughs> you will not stick that knife in your leg. <laughs> no, we're not going to start doing this. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it's going to go on for like 20 minutes. I know. That's why I'm stopping it now. So, um. This guy, Alexander, or Alex Alex, we'll literally just call him Alex. 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 Let's just call him Alex. Alex, yeah. Um, he comes in, and he says he's working for uh, TASS, which is like the Soviet state news agency, or one of them. It's not right. Pravda, but it's I think Pravda is the party newspaper. Um, but he's working for TASS, which is a recognized uh, news agency. The truth is, this fucker is working for the KGB as a representative on assignment. Oh, he fucking is a spy. Yeah, he is a spy. He really is. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> First in like first true interest of Soviet or first instance sorry of a uh, true Soviet interest in Cuba here. Uh, Alex would meet pre dawn on October sixteenth with Castro and Castro was uh, pretty indignant and vengeful to the U.S. because of the State Department fuckery, and he moved yeah, pretty no freely problem. towards Khrushchev because 
Khrushchev and the USSR, by extension, was showing interest in his small country. But they weren't showing small interest with, like, the same background. Because the Russians had never fucked with them up till this point. Not even so, like, the Russians have been pretty good with them. That's why they're still pretty like that. They sleep in the same bed. Um, and that's okay. The but, chickens are coming home to roost, so to speak, for the U.S. at this point. Yeah, because just sh- shocker, surprise, surprise, when you fuck with a country for 250 years, shit starts to come back at you after a little while. What? No. Yeah, have you ever watched Star Wars? <laughs> that's kind of the same concept. I've One of talk- us is going to have to make the trench run. I just don't what, know who it is. I can tell you that I'm at least familiar with the uh, 1980s project uh, ran by <laughs> a certain president. <laughs> You seriously Project telling me Star you've Wars. never seen the Star Wars movies? I've seen the Star okay, Wars. Okay, thank God. Movies. I was about I've to slap you sideways. I was about to slap the fucking I face out of your mouth. I own the fucking movies. <laughs> sure you do. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh yeah, they moved pretty freely towards the USSR and that was kind of setting the stage for the fact that at some point in time Castro might just say fuck it to all of these Americans in his country. Chad and like Daniela or whatever the fuck it is, whoever else is in the welcoming team that we haven't talked about yet. Marcus. Yes, Marcus. <laughs> Lucas. What, Just... about, what about the travel agents? Yeah. So that being said, uh, internally Castro was a pretty much a wee bit peeved at the Americans at this point. It's probably a light way to put that, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, a big tipping for Castro came uh, on the afternoon of October 19th when a letter came to him from a high-ranking and pretty popular member of the revolution, a guy by the name of Hu- like Huber Matos. Huber Matos. I'm just going to reignite Huber. 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 Hubian Abraham. <laughs> We're going to get fucked up the ass with the lawsuit for that one. Thanks, buddy. All right. <laughs> uh, so by the time that the letter had come to him, Matos had been serving as the military governor of Camagüey which was a province in central Cuba. I did have to look at a map just to make sure so you would not catch me off guard again, okay? <laughs> Fuck yourself. So where are, we, where are we talking? It's in central Cuba. I fucking told you. You're not listening? No, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> Y'all, that's like most of my episodes. You're just like sitting here on your phone for like 50 to 60 minutes while I talk to myself. And then I, ca- I chime in sometimes with some funny comments and occasionally I come in with something real fucking good. Like asking a question related to the topic material, yeah. You're or like the like, student. You're like the fucking student in high school that pays attention 15 percent of the time and still gets an A, and it kind of pisses me off. But I can't <laughs> deny that you're smart. You're just like, oh, you're just a dick. <laughs> Good. Anyway, I, I did come up with pretty much a thesis statement for American foreign intervention. <laughs> Can you tell us what that was again? Do you really want me to? Yes. All right. We've so got all the time was, in the world. That was the that was the statement where I talked about. Uh, Basically, how the U.S. tries to stop uh, stop some foreign country from falling into the grips of an ideology and then somehow simultaneously manage to push, his, push themselves farther into it. Good, good. Anyway, so just to see that you're paying attention. I am just going to fucking I'm gonna give you. Slime. I'm going to give you a point for effort and participation in today's class, but I want to see you trying it more often, okay? Or I'm going to have a call to your mom. Kiss my right. ass, Dr. T. <laughs> Dr. T. Thank you for putting a doctorate <laughs> on me. Fuck me. All right. So um, kind of was a big deal. It was not an insignificant position that Matos hold, held because being the military governor of a whole section of the country is pretty fucking big. Um, but apparently at this point, 
Matos or Matos, depending on how you... It's definitely got to be Matos. I think it's Matos because of the Spanish flair. Yeah. Had been complaining privately about the fact there was a lot of communists that were starting to show up in the army, specifically. And it was under Raul Castro's command, specifically. So if you haven't put two and two together, Raul's a communist, and a lot of communists are showing up in the army. And Raul's in charge of the army. Um. Oh, shit. Yeah. What? Oh, shit, dog. What? Shit, dog. <laughs> Yo, it's like that's like the that's like the one like semi not slow. I don't want to call a, a student like that slow. I would say he like kind of has ADHD. And when you say that shit, he's genuinely surprised at what you just told him. It's oh shit, dog. Oh shit, dog. You I've had me. I have had by the way in my years. Of, I was just in this year of substitute teaching. I was teaching um, oh what was it? Oh, I was teaching. I was teaching the Black Death during COVID, which is an oddly acquiescent oh fucking topic. To a group of middle school students, and one of my students on uh, virtual says, "Oh shit, man, it's about to go down." <laughs> and I just set up, didn't even skip a beat. I just said, "Absolutely about to go down." Anyway, let's get into it. Absolutely. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, he's here. Much. You guys here? He's here. <laughs> I love, I love when a student is that excited about it, even if he may just not be really, really excited. I just, I don't know. It's always kind of fun. Anyway. Um, so Matos is complaining and he was seeing it like, there's no real good way out of this position. Either he stays in, keeps quiet. The communists keep taking over or as like most people tend to do. And I don't fucking know why they do this. If something bad is happening, rather than continue to be like a brick wall to their like movement forward, you just fucking resign. Like <laughs> They're like, uh, I'm the one person who can stop them from doing it. I'm going to fuck off home. Listen, I uh, I can't be bothered. I sit on a roadblock here, and you know what? I don't like being a roadblock. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that <laughs> because he literally sent this saying that he handed his resignation and saying that there was a need not to become an obstacle to the revolution. <laughs> so basically, I just—that's what he fucking said. I just. I basically just fucking foreshadowed his fucking response. Pretty much. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, he was, again, the first official attack of anti-con- or on anti-communism. You kind of wonder, though. At that point, you do you think he's wondering he's going to die if he does it? Like, is he concerned that yeah. some bad shit's going to happen if he doesn't step it's down? Actually, yeah. It, you know, you're surprised because later on that this goes, a lot of the people in Castro's, like, there is a purge, a minor purge, but... It's not as bad as like in this like the Soviet Union when you would have a purge like every month or so. Because we just got done talking about uh, you know semi recently, we just got done with the Stalin series yeah. where people are just fucking scared to do things because they're scared they're just gonna die. Legitimately, I love the irony in that fucking story. I still think about it, and it is so good to me that a man who bra- ruled based on fear got fucked because people were afraid of him. But uh, yep. yeah, so uh, this is you know kind of a big deal, you know. Big, big, uh, big guy comes out and says, uh, I really don't want to work for you. Well, Matos is, or actually Matos, sorry, his retelling of the events leading up to the, his arrest, which we're told to PBS's American Experience, he basically- This is the American Experience. I'm Tom Brokaw. This is Tom Brokaw. I'm Brokaw. Anyway, um, so, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> he said to me, uh, he basically states that Fidel received me at the Hotel Hilton, where he was pretty, or it was very affectionate, uh, and he says to him, "Your resignation is not accept- uh, is, sorry is not acceptable at this point. We still have too much work to do." He said, "I admit that Rule and Shea are flirting with Marxism, but you have the situation under control. Forget about resigning. But if a wa- if in a while you believe the situation is not changing, you have the right to resign." So again, even if he doesn't mean this, he's basically giving him like, "Please don't leave. Just." 
things are going to work out. Just don't leave, please. It almost is like okay. he's desperate. Yeah. You were you going to say something or were you saying? No, I was just saying okay because I'm crazy. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you said hang on, like something. No, right. nope. I don't want another audio fuck up. Um, and this exchange is kind of inconsequential in the grand scheme of things, but the fact is that if you look at the language here, the context of that language. It points out that when confronted with a departure, Fidel was per- almost desperate to hold on to him. And in a personal opinion, at least from what is being said of Castro, is that he was not yet sold on Marxism. But even though he saw people around him were starting to move towards it, he kind of was like, I, I'm undecided. I know things are moving faster than they have to. And I really don't want you to leave. Can you please just stay? It's kind of like when a business is going down the shit. Or like a corporation's going down the shit and people are jumping ship because they see what's happening. And the manager's like, no, no, please, please. You're my friend. I don't want to run this by myself. And that's kind of how it's going. No, please. <laughs> please, no. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that is kind of the issue here. Um, and the fact is that he didn't really know that political identity for Cuba's government yet. So again, he's still undecided, at least by what we can tell. Um, and the fact is with a lot of this, people are like, why do you use such a like, like kind of sequesters and like, why, why is it that you guys aren't telling the truth? It's like, guess what? The CIA has most of those documents and they don't want us to fucking see it. Okay. So get off my dick, James. Anyway, um, the one guy on Reddit, who's going to be like, you guys aren't doing proper work. (laughs) Yes. I'm fucking triggered. Do you have a problem with that? (laughs) I'm going to fucking pour myself a drink here. I don't have a beer. God damn it. Anyway. Um, so additionally, the statement proper Wisconsin had upset. I know. I don't have a beer. God damn it. So yeah, uh, it shows that Castro was not holding any kind of overt control over the behaviors of his inner circle too, at least at this point, he's really not grabbed it by the balls and said, I'm owning you. He's just kind of like, we're running kind of free and easy. Can you not right now? Like there's a really harsh, my vibe, bro. I thought you'd laugh at that. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. So yeah. Uh, but Matos, uh, in a way, it, it is a mild-mannered way to disagree with the government. But here kind of is where Matos did shoot himself in the foot because following that... He took out a pistol and he said, fuck this foot. Fuck this foot, literally. He stuck a gun to his pinky toe and blew that worthless digit all to hell. Um, he... Actually, it's kind of important for balance. I wouldn't recommend it. That's true. <laughs> but uh, following that resignation, Matos talked shit and got hit, basically, saying that by allowing communism to flourish, now, Fidel, you are destroying your own work. You are burying the revolution. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Castro's <laughs> like, what the fuck did you just say to me, you little bitch? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what you shouldn't say. Naturally, naturally. Um... And it was here that Matos dug his own grave at this point. That on the morning of the 21st, he was at home with his wife. Jay chilling. Yep, pretty much. And he was approached and arrested basically at his own door by an old friend and chief of the Revolutionary Army, Camilo Cienfuegos. Which, if you want to know what Cienfuegos means in Spanish, it means ten fires. (laughs) He's on fuego. That's a fucking Uh badass name, though. Ten fires. Ten fires. (laughs) Camilo Ten Fires. That's pretty dope. It also sounds fake, though. It is a real name, by the way. (laughs) It's a real fucking name. It's not Alex Alex. No, it's not Alex Alex, because the Russians are like, "Eh, well, throw L-A-F, the it'll sound fine. It's like, are you sure? Are you serious? Are you sure? Are you serious? They'll they'll buy this. They'll buy it. They're (laughs) stupid. It's fine. Relax. Relax. Anyway, 
Uh, Mathos was flown to Havana to stand trial for counts of high treason, and he did later serve 20 years in prison in the in what is known as Isla de Ajue, or Juventud prison, which is at literally, I think it was Island of the Pine Trees or Island of something. It's not, I, I thought it was Island Pine of Trees. I thought it was Island of Pigs, but then I realized that wasn't what it was because Juventud is not that. Um, but uh, fun, fun, uh, fun fact about Cienfuegos, who's the guy who arrested him. Uh, his fate's an interesting one because some days after he arrested Matos in the late evening hours of the 28th of October, Cienfuegos, his plane, a Cessna 310, uh, designation number FAR 53, for those of you who are deeply interested in that for whatever reason, <laughs> disappeared over the Straits of Florida oh. during a night flight Just in the dark. Straight up gone. Just gone. With no, the search for him did nothing. They found nothing. Much like Amelia Earhart, he just fucking sailed away. Well, no, because Amelia Earhart landed and then became like the queen of the Amazon. So she's literally, I would literally You're love it. You're buying that conspiracy theory? Is that is that a conspiracy theory? I, I just think made she, it up on I, the floor. I've, I've actually heard shit about uh, how she, people said that she m- might have landed and then just ended up living amongst like a, a native people it it would kind of make sense but it's almost like one of those weird like plane crash sex fantasies that people have like yeah and then she became wonder woman <laughs> it's like i think in reality you're getting the wires crossed there dave you need to relax. I, I think in reality her plane probably just fucked her over and she probably ended up dying though oh probably i think they did say that they found it or they're thinking they found it it's somewhere, or I, I mean, guarantee I, I the ocean's hope, a big place. I hope she just somehow randomly escaped, but I don't think it's at this point in time she'd be dead regardless. Yeah, I hate to say that, but she's gone. I, it, you're just you're gonna have to let it go. But they did find a shipwreck in the. Uh, they found a shipwreck in the Bermuda Triangle that had been missing for like 200 years, so that was fun. Um, yeah, yep, yeah. and they did find Flight 19 too. I think I watched the documentary on that. What's that? Malaysian Airlines Flight 19? No, no, no. Uh, the Flight 19, the like the planes, the World War II planes that went missing, oh, and like the they okay. found them too. Um, that was kind of a cool series from whatever was on the Discovery Channel at the time. Uh, but whether or not foul play is considered on the part of the Cuban government in this one, there's the memory of Cienfuego lives on in Cuba as a hero, and the Cubans tend to bristle at the thought that the government would kill him. They do literally get really pissed off when you mention it. Like, people will get violently aggressive about you even saying that. Um, but there are some theories that abound that San Fuego's aircraft was suffered some mechanical trouble, which is kind of accurate. But if you can't find the plane, it seems kind of odd. Um, yeah. That the Cuban Air Force Patrol mistook him for a target and shot his ass down. That seems likely. That does seem pretty likely, especially in the dark. Uh, or... Due to Cienfuegos' reputation in the nightlife scene as being a bit of a horn dog, if you will, uh, it brought him a lot of conflict with other members of the revolution, and so he escaped, faking his own death in the process. I uh, well, I don't know about that one. No, I'm gonna guess it was probably something really stupid, like the Air Force just randomly shot him and didn't. <laughs> that was like a fuck up, and, and like, oh shit, just didn't admit it. Don't like, say anything. Yeah, it's just, we didn't do that. Oh, you mean like uh, you mean like the 007 one that the Russians shot down in the 80s, and they're like, oh uh, no, we uh, we gave them warning. No, <laughs> they're like, oh yeah. fuck, oh. That's uh, that's probably what happened. If we were gonna like do that. the Able Archer episode that I wanted to do, which Lucas said no, it would take too long because this is taking too. <laughs> another 18 part episode on fucking bay of pigs that you're gonna be sick of by the end of it welcome welcome to watergate part two electric boogaloo 
Yeah, and then it just got sadder and sadder, and the war <laughs> fucking went on. And you were just, like, depressed at the end, and I was just like, I yeah. was just as sad as Watergate should probably make me. So. Oh, yeah. And we lost uh, Gordon Liddy this week, so. R.I.P. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Called him an idiot in his fucking uh in his obituary in the Washington and Post, and I'm like, oh Jesus! Did they really? Like they, they called him, they called him a fool, but like in a like bumbling sort of way. Anyway, oh God. So I, I'm getting uh anyway. Uh, so abroad though, this did concern a lot of Americans and a lot of the moderate Cubans because while there were arguments that Castro may have had personal motives for arresting Matos or Matos rather, um. The clearer picture appears that Castro was pretty sensitive about having his judgment questioned, which seems pretty realistic for what would be considered a dictator. Yeah, it sounds about something like he'd expect. Yeah, like when you piss him off that he gets pissed off, you know. I don't think you should go into your boss's office and tell him to suck your ass, but uh, when you say it, oh, there's consequences. I'll tell you that much. Um, And Jake knows. Oh, I don't. I don't know. (laughs) Because I'm not an asshole and I'm not an idiot. So, anyway. That that was not a great development, but it was, again, you know, like that tipping point of like, oh, shit, he might be moving into the area of being like a dictator, which was giving the State Department and other organizations like just kind of like, like, <laughs> they're like, ooh, woo, what? Oh, yeah. You said what now? <laughs> I don't know if you knew what that was, but. Dictator, that sounds kinky. Not good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um. <clears throat> And that brings us pretty much to what is the biggest fucking shit show of this whole episode, which is what I call Pedro Diaz Lands Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. If you Uh, haven't noticed, Electric Boogaloo is my favorite thing to say. Yeah, I don't... What even the fuck is an Electric Boogaloo? It's a dance. Is it really? It really is something. That's like the electric slide. Anyway. Slide um, to the left. So if you're wondering what... Slide to the right. You're wondering what... Everybody clap your hands. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Does that? I'm sorry. Are we like conditioned, like fucking sleeper cells, to do that every time we see or hear that phrase? I, I feel like that song just ruined us and a lot of other people. Where it's like, oh fuck, electric. Oh shit, goddamn, not again. Slide to the <laughs> motherfucker. I, I deny that it's fucked with me. I love that song. It's like classical conditioning. Just it is really, it really is. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's what I start with. It's called the Fall Paw Bombing Run. So. Uh, that day on the twenty first of the in the evening, of uh, that day on the twenty first. That day on the twenty first of October in the cool evening breeze. It was seven a.m. in Da Nang. <laughs> seven a.m. when I picked up my booty sweat in Da Nang. <laughs> <laughs> I get a busted nut bar. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Tropic Thunder is a phenomenal movie. It is. No one can convince me. Well, otherwise. bar bar the blackface that they wouldn't be able to do, but yeah, I'm not that sure. That was n- yeah. not necessarily the greatest option, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't support that part. Anyway. Well, <laughs> I love it because somewhere, somehow, they'll be like, oh, fuck these guys. Fuck these guys. They were said it. I'm not. No. <laughs> it's kind of like me. Like, one thing will just bristle my fucking shit, and then I just won't forget about it, unfortunately. But, uh, uh, so Castro was speaking with a group of travel agents on the lawn of the Hotel Nacional. Travel agents, yes. Back, yeah. Of the Hotel Nacional. Uh, when their conversation was yes, when their conversation was interrupted by the impending war of a twin-engine aircraft. Okay. So, according to an embassy report made to the State Department the day after this happens, around 5:20 a.m., a dark gray B-25 Mitchell, or they say B-25 or B-26. Now, if you're not sure what those aircraft are, they're basically World War II era like vintage oh, yeah. planes. 
Wait, yeah. isn't like the B twenty six? Isn't that like the flying fortress? Uh, the B seventeen is oh, a the flying B-17, fortress. Yeah. The B twenty six is like the Marauder. These are like your okay. fast bomber types. If you're like fighting a war, these right. are like your close air support planes. I knew that like the yeah. B number thing. I that I remembered, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they stated too that uh, this comes from the FBI because they later he later reported to the FBI because when he was done with this thing, uh, they said that he took off at five o'clock. Uh, from Remert Warner Air Force, or it was an Air Force base, it was an airport. And so in he, you're talking about the pilot who's flying this plane? Yeah, the guy was... who's flying the plane, Diaz. Uh, and so this aircraft comes in low from the north or the east, depending, because there was a lot of conflicting reports that came out of this. Okay. Um, at low altitude. From, yeah, it says from the north and released sort of a flurry of leaflets over the center of Havana. Oh, so yeah. people are like, what the fuck's going on? And so they go running out into the street and they're like grabbing up these leaflets and they're fluttering to the ground. And it became very obvious who was responsible. It was a bunch. It was, it was a searing condemnation of Fidel and Raul Castro that Pierre did. And there was a sheet who told them like all the shit they had done. And on the bottom, Pedro Diaz Lance had put his fucking signature on it. A <laughs> hundred thousand pieces of paper. And the guy's like, I'm going to put my name on all of them. So my my mind That's he's a, up late just like scrawling his name out page after page. It's like fucking Trump with the stimulus checks the first time around. Oh, I need my name on every one of these. Pretty much like that, and he had to write it even though it was like an illegible nonsense. And the fucking sharpie. Oh yeah, the fucking sharpie that would Who make the it. Fuck signs with a sharpie. What I love about it is he signed with a sharpie, and I wish that that made those checks completely worthless. Because that seems ex- like it would destroy the check. Here's the thing. You anybody, can't do it with a Sharpie. Anybody who's like an autograph like snob, like I kind of am because I love sports autographs. Oh, I bet like you fucking do. No, listen. You <laughs> no, with, listen. You, no, you listen. No, you sign with a Sharpie. That shit will bleed. It will bleed. And it's going to make it worth less in the meantime. So it's like. I know. It's. Just fucking why? I don't know, man. I don't fucking know. Um, But yeah. So he he's dropping these leaflets. And Diaz circled for almost an hour, or no, half an hour, around Havana at around 1,500 feet before the AAA batteries in the town decided to get, tell them to fuck off. So, it, and I, by AAA, I mean, like, anti-aircraft guns. Like, okay, they have, like, yeah. yeah. So, there's, like, these 20 millimeters and these, like, flat guns in town. And one of the big fuck-ups of this stunt was that at around 1,500 feet, there's a little fact that we find out. Especially whenever we talk about, like, war stuff, whether it's, like, the Battle of Los Angeles in 1941 or 2, and, like, the Pearl Harbor attack in 41, was that at 1,500 feet, anti-aircraft shells, tracers, shells, or whatever it is, are either exploding above or arcing over civilians and in the process killing civilians. Well, yeah, because you're shooting yeah. it straight up to try to get into the fucking plane. That's but... the yeah, but that's the problem is a projectile fires in an arc. Right. So as he's flying over town, the guns are firing, and if their shells uh, like flash, they're exploding and sending shrapnel down onto so people. They're, they're not hitting the plane at that point. They're no. just harming their own citizens. Yeah, they're blowing up trying to get him. Or if they're tracer shells, they're arcing and hitting people in town. Jesus. Yeah. So what ends up here is the fact that he's doing this circular shit. The guns are going off and he fucks off. Well, here's the problem. This ends up with two people dead, about a dozen or more injured in this whole thing. Well, yeah, because it just fucking 
fearing firing bullets down. Well, yeah, and like, at, like I fucking get it. They fast ass speeds because it's just gonna pick up speeds and comes back down. And the problem is that you know he's flying a bomber, by the way, which yeah. they are smart enough to notice could be blowing up shit. Here's the problem, though, in the whole thing of this, and this is what the uh, what the embassy there was reporting, and then what the FBI was reporting, and then what the State Department was reporting, and then it started to change was that the shells were mistook for bombs, so they thought the bomber was dropping ordnance down instead of paper. Jesus. And so people were freaking out. And then there was like a hundred other reports of like people in cars throwing hand grenades out there. And I don't know how much of this is made up, but a lot of it is other than this. Like, it's just, it's a fuck up. This whole thing's a fuck up. Um, and so a lot of these injuries were believed to be not injuries from friendly fire, but casualties from an intentional act of war, which would be this. And that leads us to a part F of my notes called, now you fucked up. <laughs> That's the aftermath Jesus. of this thing is when it really hits the fan. So this is the 22nd. The aftermath of this little diplomatic stunt pissed Castro off, and naturally he took to the podium for four hours to decry this attempted attack, which wasn't an attack. Um, uh, yeah. Four All of hours. this is fucking the response. The only thing that killed people is With the fucking anti-aircraft guns. It's, it's a fucking protest. None of this needed to happen. Or just I know. I know. And so this jumps to the 26th. Castro's next mass gathering comes around four days later. And he descended. <laughs> this is good. You're going to love this. His entrance was a descent from a helicopter. <laughs> oh, Rifle in hand. And he launched into a, the, one of the stronger anti-American speeches he'd ever done and compared the leaflet dropped to Pearl Harbor, which it kind of was. I'm not meaning no, to laugh at that no. like it's funny. It's, it's just so fucking same. Sh It's so shit. The only reason people died and this fucking not even attack I, just, I hate to say it, but a lot of civilian casualties in Pearl Harbor were from our own guns, by the way. Like, that's a fact. All right, sure, but... People... It, no, but no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not defending this. I'm just saying that's just a fact. But there was actual bombs, dude. There were actual bombs in that one. That is an <laughs> there actual attack. fucking paper pamphlets. <laughs> it really scared people on weaponry they weren't really qualified to operate. Um, God, it's just... Oh, no, it, yeah... So, he deeply insinuated that the U.S. either enabled it explicitly or complicitly, which uh, was kind of makes sense because uh, it came from the U.S. It's so fucking... It's just a bad situation all around, unfortunately. Because Lanz is such a fucking nutter, the way he just jumps to this. He did this on his own. But someone had to have helped him. I don't know. They just... There kind of goes into a dead end on who helped him create the leaflets. If it was him or anybody else. I don't know. But, yeah. It's just a real shit show. Yeah. Every fucking bit of it. But, I mean, considering that fact that he'd come from America, that kind of gave his argument merit. Kind of. Kind of. Not really, but to people, yes. Um... Castro basically added that we give them a naval base in our country and they give us war criminal bases with, from which to bombard us. So he's just screaming this. Um, yeah. So, uh, crowd of pissed. Okay, but, okay, yeah. but, but think about this. If they really wanted to do anything that involves an attack, if they already have a motherfucking naval base on the fucking island, don't you think they would just launch it out of the fucking naval base? You would think so. <laughs> You would think so. Like, like there are so many track? operations. Like, just nothing happened. Like, one guy. One fucking guy. And his bullshit, like, panty raid aircraft drop. 
And all of a sudden, people are like, this is an invasion! And it's like, but they've got missiles. Oh my they've got nukes. Fuck. Like, no. Um, but yeah. How much more do we have in this episode? Oh no, we're, we're seasonably at, pissed off. We're at the end. We're oh, almost there. Fuck. Yeah, we're at the end. So, okay. a crowd of pissed off Cubans was marching at the same time to the U.S. Embassy at the Havana Hilton. Where the remaining travel agents were staying and checking the fuck out. <laughs> they literally are just leaving in mass at this point. They're like, I'm getting the fuck out of here before shit hits the fan. Oh I'm God. done. Yeah. Yeah. From the embassy, the U.S. government and ambassador Bonsal attempted to allay Castro's anger by arguing that the aircraft could have flown out of any of the 200 airfields in Florida and that it would have been impossible to know that this would have been the case. But Castro fired back by asking how a world power like the U.S was able to protect itself from Soviet nuclear missiles if they couldn't even keep tabs on aircraft leaving their own airspace. That has nothing to do with it. I know, it I know. Been, it could have just been a cleared flight. Like, they don't know that yeah, someone they, has they're not checking his airplane. fucking plane. Okay, like, so if it puts it in any context, in Florida specifically, there are 200 airfields, not mentioning the big ones, not the airports. Yeah. We're talking airfields out in the fucking middle of nowhere. And also keep in out mind out in the swamps of nowhere. This is before all the fucking Patriot Act, actress security bullshit. Yeah, this is pre 9/11. If you haven't noticed it, it's, this, it's you could a, bring a gun on a plane and you could slap a woman if she was giving you the wrong sandwich. Well, and, and I don't mean that. The, and that's fucked up. It is fucked up. I'm not saying it's good. No, and I'm, I'm, Dad, I'm not advocating that all the Patriot Act laws are bad. I'm just saying that like it's before we had all this extra. F- security and all this with aircrafts yeah pan am had like what like 17 hijackings like a year oh yeah no that was fun because it was like either like leftist militants or islamic militants depending on who you talk to but there was like that's what they needed air marshals with like guns on planes to kill people yeah and then they didn't put air marshals on the 9-11 flights and that was kind of a fuck up but uh yeah anyway so um yeah oh god Uh, So his 26th speech, the diplomatic situation in Cuba was so bad that neither side was attempting to salvage it. They just kind of said, fuck it, and they left. And uh, that brings us to the last bit here, that important lesson. While Lance's stunt would be somewhat embarrassing for the U.S., because it did come from them, but it's equally as fucking embarrassing for the Cubans, so they don't see it that way. The situation does provide a clear avenue that the United States would be able to use to remove Castro from power, or try in the next episode. So now, uh, now basically Castro has just fucking put a massive target on his back for... Yes. Because <laughs> it, basically it's like, okay, so the U.S. is like, alright, so you're gonna fucking tell us that this fucking stupid guy with the fucking pamphlets is, is fucking trying to kill you and you're gonna kill some of your own citizens in the process and then blame it on us. Well, alright, then we'll actually try to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically what's in, gonna happen. In a way, but it's sort of bizarre. Mean, in a way, start, that's exactly No, 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 happened. because when we start talking about the, like, the CIA proper, like, there are a lot of things that we learned about this, or rather that I've learned and kind of been able to, to verify is that the CIA was not the forward aggressor, literally, and that sounds like I'm shilling out as sort of like devil's advocate here, but that is actually the I truth. can't wait for you to convince me the CIA didn't instigate this. No, they didn't. They did not. Not until, like, way later. They were real late to the party. And Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were. But when they got rolling, they really got rolling. <laughs> so, <laughs> they may have not have been the they instigator, but they are the driving they force the later last on. time, man. baby. Let me tell oh, you, they yeah, were in me. it. Yeah, they are. They are fucking balls deep later on. Fucking hell. Anyway. Okay, well... 
I, that was a hell of an episode. It, uh, it took it us was. two recording sessions to do it, but tell you what, we got break the it. fucking immersion that we we're trying to do I'm one fluid thing. Breaking the immersion because you can you're gonna tell in the audio. But anyway, no, I uh, didn't. We we appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> Not at all. We. <laughs> Shut up. We appreciate you listening to this podcast episode. If you've stuck with us through all this so far, uh, all we have to say is thank you. Thank you to our new and old listeners. Please, if you haven't, go out there and give us a rating. We really appreciate that. Uh, of course, we appreciate five-star ratings the most because, you know, we really like those ratings. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Hacked History. Uh, you can check out our page where I do go ahead and post uh, when we drop episodes. You can check us out on our Instagram. I do go ahead and post there as well. Uh, you can find that at Hacked underscore History. If you want to contact us, send us an email. You can find us at HackedHistory101 at gmail.com. Jake, do you have anything to add? Uh, I would like you to shout out our favorite country for me. Kazakhstan? Yes. <laughs> they we are current they are currently topping the listener quota for this. <laughs> well, no, they're not. I'm pretty sure it's still pretty sure it's still the US, closely followed by India. So Oh uh, man. India, I don't know what you see in us, but thank you. <laughs> you know, I love it. I love any of those. Is it is it maybe because in that one president's episode that we did we mentioned Gandhi's wife? I don't want to be racist, but I wonder if, like, the ag- algorithm, like, throws that to that specific country. I think it's just because we're on some Indian broadcasting platform specifically. It Would it be so. great, too, if we went there and we were, like, celebrities, but they don't know who we are? <laughs> they... That would be amazing. I'm I sorry. would love to get big enough to when we when the pandemic ends to be able to go to a live show in India. That it would, would be, be kind of difficult. Phenomenal. The country is kind of a mess sometimes, but that's okay. I love them anyway. We we'd find a way. America's a shithole too, Tell man. You what, it's fine. If you if you love us that much, India, we'll find a way. Love finds we'll a way. We'll come to you. Love finds a way. <laughs> Are you done quoting so we can stop getting sued in the ass, man? <laughs> I, I am Are done. you done now? I'm done. Thank All you. right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, oh, and, uh, we uh, we hope to hear. <laughs> you hope that you stick around for the next episode. <laughs> Shit's gonna get crazier. Oh, it's gonna get and crazier. I'm gonna get more upset. So, yep. thanks for listening. Bye. Catch you later.